0: You're listening to UMass Football on WMUA Sports. Welcome to the UMass Football Pregame Show here live from outside of McGurk Alumni Stadium, outside of the Gridiron Tent. I'm here with Jacob Repper, this is Josh Schreiber, and joined right now by the very famous Quinn McCarran, also known as the one and only UMass Reindeer. Quinn, how you doing on this
1: homecoming weekend? Excited to get going. Uh, it's good to be here, fellas. Uh, my my old flag football coach gave me a burger today, and it was delicious, <laughs> so shout out to him. Um, and it is packed here, oh, alumni. Yeah. So uh, hopefully that translates into the game but I'm I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I was a little bit shocked. This is as busy as I've ever seen the parking lots here this early. I thought I was getting here early around 12 p.m. to set up for this show, and it took me 25 minutes or so to get from the Worcester Dining Commons to Lot 22, which is just across campus. So um, pretty impressive to see that. Hopefully that attendance will start to translate into – the game but just a reminder this pregame show brought to you by the Midnight Ride Collective thank you so much to the guys over there for making this happen hopefully we can continue to do this the rest of this year and into next year but excited to get going and Quinn you had an amazing run here as the UMass Reindeer graduated last spring not graduated but (laughs) not graduate
1: (laughs) my bad we're still here but uh, working for The Collective now, doing doing press, PR. It's been a lot of fun this yeah. year. It's, like, uh, a whole different angle. And, uh, like, working for the Midnight Ride has been awesome. They've been great. And uh, spending time in the bunker for the games have, is definitely a highlight of my, my week. Uh, so it's been great. It's been great vibes. Uh, I love Amherst in the fall. And oh, today yeah. is peak Amherst in the fall type weather. And... Uh, it's beautiful. Love to be here. Love to be here. The school spirit's everywhere. Everyone's in Maroon today.
2: Oh, yeah. And, Quinn, I have to ask you, for the freshmen and some of the younger people that don't know who you are and where the UMass Reindeer origin,
1: where did that first come from? Where did you get the idea? One one faithful Halloween about five years (laughs) ago. uh, I needed a costume, as many UMass students I'm sure do. Uh, My mom went to the Goodwill in Worcester and found a reindeer sweatshirt that was two sizes too small for me thought it would be funny to wear it to a hockey game the hockey team ended up winning at that hockey game and I'm a superstitious person so I kept wearing it and then it sort of just became a thing and uh, a big shout out to UMass Twitter because I'm probably nowhere near as big of a UMass sports fan if not for them and that community that really is so passionate about this school so um... yeah what a ride. What a ride it's been. And it's still going, right? Oh, yeah. There we go.
0: And as that ride continues, we've got a big Merrimack game coming up today. Throughout the season, you've been able to you know, do some work with the Midnight Ride Collective um, and come to a lot of football games. And part of that was bringing on Charlie Baker. You were a big part of that, the former Massachusetts governor, current president of the NCAA.
1: How how did that come about? That was crazy. That was um, I, I shot a uh, a tweet or a zeter or whatever it's called now, into the universe, being like, "Hey, Charlie, I know you haven't been. You weren't at a game when you were governor. Why don't you come to one now when you're the president of the NCAA?" And then he slid in my DMs, as as former governors of Massachusetts and presidents <laughs> of the NCAA do all the time in my DMs. They're it's a very uh, very uh, unique place. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, that was bizarre. It was crazy. But we, we got him here, um, figured out a date that worked. We were trying to get him to Miami, Ohio, because his daughter went there. Hey, good thing he, but didn't, but good come <laughs> he <one. laughs> didn't come to that one. didn't come to that one, because I don't think he would have stayed.
0: No. Uh, I wouldn't have blamed him either, no, to be honest. He's got all. more important things to do than wait 11 hours oh, for no, him. You're a
1: hero if you stayed to that yeah. game. You deserve a medal.
2: <laughs> There, is there anyone else that you want to bring in here? What does the future look like?
1: I want more Healy. That's my next big get. I I want her here for a game. Hopefully, we'll get that working in the off season. I'll work my connections, all my government connections <laughs> that I have. Uh, hey, all they need to do is happen. slide
0: in your DMs. Is
1: true. My DMs, Mara, Miss, Miss Healy, Governor Healy. Uh, that's the correct terminology, right? Yeah, yep, Governor Healy my DMs are open
2: so maybe the president's next I'd like to see if you could work up to that
1: Biden why not
0: <laughs> <laughs> anyone is welcome at UMass football games but uh, what was your favorite part of that experience with Governor Baker or actually he's President a, Baker at this point of the NCAA
1: he's a really chill guy man um, it, it was fun to I like talk to He's a big hockey fan, and he went to he went to a couple of UMass hockey games, yep. and he wanted to know all about the team and uh, wh- how they're looking this year. So that was it was fun to talk just like UMass hockey with him, Kale McCarr. Ah, it was great to talk with him about that. Um, and then he was super kind of him to do an interview with us uh, with um, on the Midnight Ride channels. Uh, so that was super nice of him. And yeah, it was just kind of surreal to have him at a game yeah. and just be uh, chill and watching UMass football, obviously. Hope that game had a better result, but uh, it was still fun. And I I think he had a good time, and we showed him, like, this is an actual thing. And I think uh, the tweet I tweeted at him was him kind of, like, saying, I've never been to a tailgate when I was Massachusetts governor, so I don't really know what it's like. And I think he got a good time here. Uh, As you do, because UMass tailgates are awesome. And I mean, today is a prime example of why it's like that. It's, I mean, people are cooking everywhere, and... There's some chefs in, in oh, at yeah. these tailgates, so
0: big time. And I, we've got like three different parking lots. Pretty, we're pretty much in the middle of everything right now. We are, for reference to our audio listeners, we are kind of in between lot 11 and lot 22. Also, there's lot 33, which is all the lots are pretty much full right now. And we are two hours before game time, so. As busy as I've ever seen it, well, I've been at UMass. You've been here a little longer, but...
1: Yeah, like, freshman year, I don't think I've ever seen it. I've never seen it this packed. So this is a great turnout today for homecoming, and I think a lot of people are going to go into the game because I think we can win a football game today. And that has been the case a lot lot this year. I think uh, a lot of times when I entered games during the Walt Bell era, I was like, man, I don't think we're going to win this game. It's just going to be, how long can I stay? And this year they've been competitive. They've been fighting, and uh, it's been fun to watch. So uh, definitely a lot of highlights from this year. It's been my favorite year following the team. Um, So yeah. And Quinn, on that topic of
2: football, you've probably seen more games than maybe me and Josh combined. I know me. I'm an underclassman. This year they're two and seven right now. It feels like they could be a lot better, but they go into this game against Merrimack like we talked about, homecoming game, really good shot at winning this one, and then down the road you got Liberty and Yukon. How do you feel optimistically about this
1: team? I think the the program going forward is this this is a step in the right direction that has to been here for it. Look, when you're a team when you're a program that's only had one win for four straight years, that's a tough place to be. And I think Don was emotional in that uh, post-game pressure last week at Army. And that, like, that brought a tear to my eye. I was like, yeah, he's right. This is this is a hard work, and uh team could be a lot better than the record shows. Um, and there's certainly a lot of close games this year. But I, I think that uh, the UConn game is definitely going to be a lot of fun. That should be a good, good one to come to. Um, and today, if there's a win, there are three wins, and then the record for UMass and the FBS is four, so we can match it this year, which is yeah. uh, awesome. And I think if anybody asks going into this year, I think we take four wins and momentum into the off season, kind of build it, and then next year get ready to take this team to a bowl.
0: Yeah, and more on this game specifically. UMass, a 17-point favorite right now. Uh, definitely the... Most they've, they've been favored by in, I can't remember how long, probably since that 2018 season. What do you think are the keys to their game today to really live up to that hype?
1: I think the big key today is pound the rock. The run game should be a heavy focus, drain the clock, maintain possession, and just let 1-5 carry that rock because he's been absolutely outstanding this year, carry on Lynch-Adams. Uh, he's an absolute difference maker. He makes guys miss. He's an absolute uh, force to be reckoned with on the offensive side of the ball. And then once you get that running game established, then you can bring the play action into it. And I think Puma has a really talented arm this year. and he's getting more healthy every week. Um, so yeah, I think it, I think this season's also a lot different if we look at injuries too. Uh, it's a banged up defensive group, but uh, and Puma obviously getting hurt in week two against Auburn. Uh, definitely didn't didn't help, but uh, this team's looking good and getting healthy at the right time, getting good at the right time, and I don't know, maybe you'd shock Liberty next week and you move to UConn and get five wins. So there's a lot that could happen at the, at the end of this year, um, and I'm looking forward to today because I think it's going to be an absolute beast from Lynch Adams today. I think he goes over like 150, maybe 200 yards from, from the ground.
2: And if he does that, he'll be at over 1,000 yards on the season. First running back to do that in a while. I know Ellis Merriweather only had 500 and a little bit more, but Lynch Adams has been phenomenal. You talked about Pumachan a little bit. This seems like it was the first year that the Minutemen had a,
1: st- a strong quarterback under center. What's your thoughts on his performance? I w- First of all, I want to shout out Steve Cascula because I think he runs an offense that works really well with a mobile yeah. quarterback, and it was clear to see that first game against New Mexico State what the potential of this offense really looks like and puma is an absolute great guy um i loved hearing don brown uh last week in the post game presser talk about his leadership qualities too that's a great thing to see from your quarterback that's hopefully going to be here next year uh and leading this group i really i'm really impressed with him i was impressed with him during camp um i'm also impressed with carlos davis so we have i think we have two quarterbacks right now which really hasn't been the case in a while um so I, I feel confident in the guys uh, leading, the, leading the group, leading the charge. We're ready to go, and let's get a win today.
2: And you could almost throw in a third quarterback in Ahmad Haston.
1: I know it's a little early for that conversation. I like Haston. He's a, dude, he is quick. He can make some guys miss um, in the back of the pocket. Uh, he's never going to get sacked, that guy. Uh, he's, not, he's great. Uh, I'm hoping his arm talent develops. If that gets good, watch out because we have a guy of the future, really. Yeah. Um, so, yeah.
0: Yeah, and Pumachan has been a guy that, you know, coming out of Clemson and Georgia Tech, he was extremely highly touted, especially coming out of high school. Anytime you get the attention of Dabo Swinney and are getting talked about to take snaps from guys like uh, DJ. I'm not even going to try to pronounce <laughs> his last name right now. You got but,
1: Pumachan down, yeah, so that's, I that's got all Puma-chan, you it Took that's you a little while.
0: Yeah, uh, but what do you think it's meant – that Pumichon has been able to battle through adversity so many times whether it be through injury through not getting the playing time you know he may have wanted to now ending up at a school in UMass where he does finally have that full trust of his coaching staff that full trust of the fan base how do you how do you think that's really worked into this team and the confidence of this team in general
1: i think the biggest thing for his confidence was week 0 when Don Brown said he's my guy and uh, he really took that to heart, and I think he's had a tough tough road in college football. It, it can be a rough sport sometimes when you're not finding the playing time, especially a quarterback, because that's the big role, right? That's the leadership position. That's oh, yeah. the guy making all the, the big plays. And now that he's the guy here, I think he's relishing that opportunity. And when you talk to him, great guy to talk to, absolutely well-spoken. Um, And i'm really excited to i i could not be more thrilled to have him representing our university week in and week out um he's been great i have nothing but nothing but positive things to say about him great kid uh and i'm I'm looking forward to him bringing this program some more wins and we talked about
2: the program in general being on trending up it looks like there's hope for umass in the future but this season has definitely had some crushing losses. They lost 19 to 17 to Eastern Michigan over time against New Mexico, but Coach Brown throughout it all stayed positive. He said his guys were ready. They're gonna get time. They're gonna start racking up these wins. But what do you think Don Brown has done the best with here in his time at
1: UMass? I think the best thing he does is he he's a guy that cares. Like I would run through a wall for that man. He, you can tell when he's talking about his players, when he's talking about the kids, that he has a connection to each and every one of them. If you're just in and around the program and, like, just spending time when he's not on camera and you can see that he cares about these guys and cares about every little thing that they're doing. And, uh, man, I love him and I love that he represents this school and he's done a great job. Um, And he's going to get us to the promised land. I truly do believe that. Obviously, it's not this year, but I think next year he could bring us to a bowl, or the year after that. And I I trust him to take the reins. Um, Yeah, I I think this team's been through some tough, tough stuff. Like you said, like the home opener we were just talking about before the show, with it being rained out and not having that home crowd. That's a crushing blow to lose that game. And this team put their heads down, kept working, kept working at it, even even through injuries. It's been a tough year, and I think a lot of UMass teams in the past have rolled over when that happened, have quit, have said, all right, that's it, We're, we don't have it this year. Uh, but not this team. This team's going to fight to the very end, and they've proven that all year long. And let's keep it going. Let's get some more yeah. wins and keep, it, keep the train rolling in next year.
0: Now, before we have you go, can we get a score prediction
1: Score Rain prediction. Here. Score prediction. These are these are always tough. We're we? 17 point favorites today. Yep. 42-17. The UMass Minutemen win. Wow, you got a, blow out. a blowout. I think it's a blowout today. I think they're. I, I don't think Merrimack can stop us on the ground. That's the big thing today. And when you control the line of scrimmage, you control the football game. Uh, we saw that in multiple games against the UMass. When when the other team can run the ball, it's going to be a difficult thing. Deal with, but uh, I think we control the line of scrimmage today. We get it done, and Lynch Adams goes off for 200 yards, gets his 1,000 yard mark. Touchdowns. Ooh. Feed him. Feed him. Josh,
2: do you want to throw a score prediction in there as well? You're usually pretty good. I,
0: I forget what I had in our show on Tuesday, Wednesday. I forget what day it was. I think I had something like 36 to 16 or something like that. Um, I, I'm, I agree with you, Quinn. I, I think that they are going to just kind of overpower Merrimack. I think this is going to be kind of a glorified version of the Army game where UMass just kind of has more talent. And it's, it feels really good to say that. It's one thing to actually execute on that. So we'll see if they are able to do that. If they're able to, you know, limit the stupid penalties, limit the turnovers, I think they come away pretty easily with the win. Oh, yeah. Well... We'll continue to talk more throughout the day. Got some pretty special guests on hand. Thank you so much, Quinn. Yeah, I'm just I'm just a pre-guest, all right. Uh, There's some there's some You're just just as important (laughs) as the rest. But before we go or before we take a break, this episode of the UMass pregame show on WMUA is brought to you by the one and only Midnight Ride Collective, the Northeast's top NIL collective. They create NIL opportunities for football athletes as well as content creators at the University of Massachusetts. Is your business interested in becoming an award-winning sponsor of WMUA? Is your business interested in partnering with the Midnight Ride Collective? While you're in luck, head over to midnightridenlcom slash join and come along for the ride today. We'll be right back. You're listening to 91.1 WMUA Sports.
2: X is the third least
3: used letter in the English language. When you do see her though, it's probably in your average math problem or the word xylophone, nothing too exciting. Sure, you get some intrigue if you put three of them together, but can't get too far into that. But what if there's somewhere you could? I'll give you a hint. It starts with WMUA and ends with, you guessed it, X. Tune in anytime at umass.edu slash WMUA. Looking for the right publisher for your offbeat short stories? Local galleries
0: won't accept your tasteful nude photography? Do you feel like your heart belongs in Bushwick? The WMUA zine might be the perfect repository for your creations. You can consider sending your art in any medium to wmuapr at umass.edu to be featured in the station's first ever independent mini-magazine. The Pioneer Valley is just waiting to see what you have to offer.
2: This is UMass Football on WMUA Sports.
0: football pregame show on 91.1 WMUA yes, Sports FM Amherst. We got some fans walking up around us. We've got a whole lot of people tailgating, kind of surrounded by us. Got a little college game day type
2: atmosphere here, Jacob. C- certainly feels like it. Everybody's pretty pumped up as... You and I are, and Josh. I don't know if it was you that picked this spot or the UMass Reindeer, but stellar, stellar <laughs> pick because we got grills all around us, 360. Yeah, I'm. I'm a little jealous
0: because I, I just smell the burgers and dogs kind of wafting over towards us. So hopefully we can get some of that after this. You've got a game to call, but I've, I've just, I'm just gonna watch the game. So, um, yeah, got an exciting game coming up while we wait for some of our other guests to get through the ridiculous traffic t- traffic here and you know we saw a lot of people on Twitter like oh this traffic's the worst. I looked at it a little different way. I was like hey like we've been wanting people to show up to these games. It's bound to happen. You get people showing up there's going to be traffic. You see that at a Patriots game. You see that at any football game. So nice to see
2: that starting to happen here today yeah that is true i'm not sure if western massachusetts residents will like it but a good indicator (laughs) of good football being played is all the cars that are backed up and luckily for me i was able to walk here my dorms only 20 minutes away i know know you had a drive and yeah it looked pretty treacherous yeah luckily got here pretty early so
0: i was all right but good to see people out in attendance and while we wait jacob there are quite a few we mentioned quite a few fans here but this is probably the most important game to win, I would say, for UMass. Just with the expectations that they have coming off of a win against Army, they're going to have something to prove here of, like, are they actually legit? Are they going to come into this game and do what they are supposed to do? And it's not it hasn't been very common for us to say they are supposed to win this game. There is no doubt that they are supposed to win this game against Merrimack.
2: Yeah, for sure. And the big thing, like you touched on a little bit, is that there's so many fans here able to watch this game. We haven't seen that since week one in which that game got rained out and they had a postponer and everything. But, yeah, there's such an importance on winning this game. It could be their first winning streak since 2018. It's an FCS opponent in Merrimack, but Coach Brown said that doesn't mean much. He's been on both sides of coaching in the FCS, the FBS. He told me in the press conference, he said, one thing you're not going to see from this group is complacency. They're not going to be complacent at all. They're going to come out hot, treat them like they treated Penn State, even though that game didn't end up the way they might have hoped for, yeah. it's a good opportunity for UMass to get their third win of the season, build some momentum, bring in new fans. That's that's really what you're going to see here today, and it's a great opportunity to do so. And just as a recap, in case you're just joining
0: us, I know we had some issues with the link going up earlier. I'm Josh Schreiber. I'm joined by Jacob Repper. We'll be joined soon by some special guests. Not going to reveal them quite yet, but when they come on, you'll You'll know. Um, If you did miss the beginning of the episode and want to hear it over again, we will be posting it on Spotify as soon as possible, hopefully getting that up before the game starts so you guys can give that a listen on WMUA Sports' Spotify channel, also on, yeah, no, just on Spotify there. So um, looking forward to getting that one up and that way if you did miss that chat we had with UMass Reindeer Quinn McCarran, you'll be able to hear that one again. But Jacob... As we wait, you're going to be on the call here with Pedro Gray Suarez for the game. What are your keys to the game? I asked Quinn, but keys to the game in order to actually you know, win this game by three scores and not really make it one of those UMass games where I start off slow or end slow or something in between?
2: Yeah, well, I'm pr- pretty much going to reiterate what Quinn said. It's going to start with the run game. Lynch Adams, like we talked about earlier, looking for a thousand rushing se- rushing yards season can do so today. But on that other side of the ball, they have Merrimack has a running back in Tyvon Edmonds Jr. that has rushed for over a thousand years, uh, yards so far this season. That's a guy that they're really going to have to contain, especially because this UMass run defense is a little faulty right now. Quinn touched on a little bit. They've missed some guys on defense. They have to stop the run. You're going to see a similar game in what you saw to Army. A lot of running game. I don't know if Puma John's going to be scrambling out of the pocket very much. He's going to be contained into the middle. But UMass has a chance to come out, get a win. It's going to be done, done so on the run game.
0: Yeah, and just to preview Merrimack a little bit, you talked about their running back who has over 1,000 yards on the season. A smaller guy, not necessarily... The ground and pound type of running back that we've seen dominate UMass sometimes this year whether you look at Penny Boone for Toledo or Amos for Miami of Ohio he's more of a a speed type of back but what what does Merrimack bring to the table other than you know the running game that could
2: maybe give UMass some problems? Well, other than the running game, it's going to be their defensive line. They're able to get into the backfield. Luckily for UMass, their offensive line is pretty good, but Merrimack has a team nine different defensive players have a tackle for a loss, so they do such a good job of penetrating the offensive line, getting to the quarterback, and with the quarterback right now in Pumachan that has not really rolled out as much as we've seen him in the beginning of the season before the injury, I think it's critical that the offensive line stands up against this really strong Merrimack defensive line.
0: Yeah, and we got some of the pro football focus numbers from last week against Army. And really all around, they had by far their best numbers on the season. They were... And I don't love to really stick with pro football focus as like, you know, the... The the end-all, be-all. Right, the end-all, be-all of how did they play. But it certainly helps confirm that they were solid. They had by far their best pass blocking rating of the season and that certainly helped Pumachan as you know he only threw for about 121 yards I think it was but didn't turn the ball over made all the right plays like we've seen him do so many times this season and most importantly in the run game they were creating wide open holes for Karon Lynch-Adams to run through and it certainly helped that
2: he was able to make guys miss as well. Yeah, and as a running back, when you have a historic performance, three touchdowns, that's a career high, 234 yards, career high. It's easy to be really high on yourself and compliment yourself, but give Lynch Adams credit. He credited all to the offensive line. He says if it wasn't for them, he wouldn't be able to do what he does so well, so the offensive line gets all the credit. They're going to be another big key here today. Now let's look on the defensive side of the ball, another area
0: that – probably had their biggest step of any group uh, in their last game against Army. In terms of tackling, they got a PFF grade of 86.2, which is very elite. Their run defense, 89.4, and that's what they needed to have against a team like Army who runs a lot of triple option. Not all triple option anymore, as they have changed that offense a little bit, but they were dominant in stopping the run. That was really never that close of a game. I know the score is very close, but there was really never a point where we were really fearful of the Black Knight offense. And There were several times where UMass could have gone for it and didn't because we felt so confident in that defense, but this has really stepped up recently.
2: Well, I think for me, I think it has to be Juan Lua. He had an interception last week. He's the guy that you could bring in, you could put him out there, and he's going to shine. He doesn't get a ton of time sometimes He's in and out, but when he comes in, he certainly makes his presence felt, and a lot of that is because Jordan Mahoney's been out. There's been some injuries going on, some sicknesses, but Juan Lu has been one of those guys that you just put him in on the defense, and he's going to make plays for.
0: Yeah, I would say for me, yeah, I think I'm going to stick with Warner as well. Isaiah Rutherford has been battling in throughout the season, has still played in eight games, but has been you know, questionable in several of them. And last week against Army, he kicked that pass that ended up getting picked off by Juan Lua. And he was pretty much everywhere in coverage. PFF absolutely loves him as a corner in general. They have him ranked 39th out of 240 corners who have played at least 50% snaps this season. And when you look at that from a, a the grand scheme of things, that's up there with getting considered as a late-round draft pick. Now, I'm not saying that he is going to get drafted. However, he is really making his case with the talent
2: that he has in coverage in general. Yeah, for sure. It's not easy to turn those NFL heads. But like you said, Josh, the numbers are there. Will it happen? Not exactly sure, but... It all comes back to he's one of those Arizona guys, one of nine Arizona players that Coach Don Brown brought in in this offseason. He's certainly slotted into that role as one of UMass's lockdown cornerbacks. Really good stuff from Isaiah Rutherford. Absolutely. And just for reference,
0: PFF kind of grades guys on a scale. um, They're typically really from anywhere from 0 to 100, but you typically see them from – more 32 in the low 90s range, with anywhere in the 70s being really good. Isaiah Rutherford is anywhere from 74 to 79, whether it be run defense, tackling, uh, defense as a whole, and coverage. He is right around the best on the team in every single category. So, you know, we talk so so much about Jordan Mahoney, who is going through injury right now. But... I think Isaiah Rutherford has been slept on by the UMass community in general. Yeah, for sure. When you have
2: one of your big name players go down, like, other uh, guys to be able to fill in, like you said, Isaiah Rutherford, Noel Boykin, Juan Lua, Jeremiah McGill got his first career interception last game. So, just I've overall been very impressed with this UMass defensive group, especially the DBs and their ability to shut down opposing offenses. Offenses and It's been a big task. They've played teams like Penn State, Toledo. It hasn't been easy for them, but through injury, through illnesses, they've been able to stick together every week. And we've seen a good product out of them.
0: Yeah, we certainly have. And another under-the-radar guy I want to talk about has been Najee Logan, who has been really slept on as a guy that has just been so versatile for this defense in terms of where he's lined up He's lined up on the D-line 73 times, in the box three times, which would be more of a linebacker role. He's lined up at free safety 35 times, and as a slot corner, 62 times. So he is doing pretty much everything, and I've been talking a lot about these PFF grades. Shout out to the Midnight Ride Collective for getting us those grades, but he has been... One of the best tacklers on the team. Against Army, he was in almost every single play. I I called his name probably three times a drive. It was unreal. So what have you seen from him?
2: I mean, he's a real physical specimen. Yeah, one thing that I've seen from him is... He came into this position, wasn't exactly going to be a starter to start the year. But like he said before, he's lined up in so many different positions. And I think that's a byproduct of this Don Brown defense. When you could disguise a lot of different players, he plays the Viper position, but he lines uh, line behind. It's incredible what he can do. And having a guy in that Viper position that can do so many different things, that can get to the quarterback, that can make tackles and state, it really is a disguise to this defense. That Don Francis. well.
0: Absolutely. We are quick. Co-founder. I like not. 8.1. W at US Sports. Welcome back to the UMass football pregame show. We apologize that we can't get this part of the show out live as we had some technical difficulties, but we are now joined. By co-founder of the Midnight Ride Collective, Corey Schneider. How's it going,
2: Corey? Doing great. How are you guys? Doing pretty good. It's, it's pretty happy to have you here with us today. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Great to be here. Great to, uh, I would that this is probably the most people I can remember seeing in McGurk. So this is, uh, hopefully, it's a really good day. day. Yeah, no, it should be a lot of fun. It's It's going to be a good one, Josh. I know you're pretty pumped up for it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is
0: one of, I we were talking about this earlier, one of the biggest games in terms of a must-win for UMass where they've got to show that they are, I guess, the real deal At prove that the Army win was not a fluke. But, Corey, you know, two teams clashing here that you are fairly close with both of them being a former player for Merrimack before transferring to UMass. Any? Are you feeling any type of way going into this? <laughs> uh,
3: well, uh, I I do like you know when I see Merrimack do well, uh, it's great to see. Uh, I will say this for especially for UMass fans, it was interesting that if, if Merrimack was what they are now, when I was there in the fall of '09, uh, I probably wouldn't have even ended up coming to UMass. Um, their president, and I guess, this, this is the part that UMass people should look forward to is. Uh, their president, Chris Hopi, who I believe is still there, he got there um, fall of 09, and I remember, because Merrimack's small school, they, you know, he had a kind of a town hall where the majority of people uh, came, and he just listed a bunch of different things of what he wanted to accomplish, and one of them was uh, taking the football program Division I, and he's made good on all those promises, and that campus, I give them a lot of credit, has been completely transformed. And, you know, football-wise, uh, Merrimack is you know they're division one now, but they still it seems like they're still kind of the same tough hard nosed team Dan Kern's a really good coach um and so today I, I can I can guarantee you that they are down there right now, and they they think that they can win this game yeah. so it's gonna be you know I think that uMass should be able to to take care of business, but you know with the program right now, I think that last week it was a great example of going on the road needing to get a win against a quality opponent and they were able to do that today it's another test another step forward to see if they can take that next step and
2: and take care of uh, an fcs opponent so it'll be uh, hopefully a good day and i know we talked about it a little bit before we went on air this looks like one of the biggest crowds we've seen here in a while <laughs> yeah, it does i honestly well it's funny what winning does uh
3: i i can't remember a time where I've seen it this crowded uh, it was absolutely jammed to get in here which is awesome to see That's a good problem to have absolutely and
0: talking a little more on the NIL side of things being you know the one of the co-founders of the Midnight Ride Collective um, and a senior director or executive director and senior director of business development what has that whole process been like with this year being the first year that it's really kicked off having kind of a partnership i guess you can call it with UMass Athletics
3: um and how do you feel about where it is now and where you're looking to go in the future yeah uh i mean it was you know this all started probably so my my fiance who actually met at a, at a tailgate at UMass um, full circle yeah comes full circle <laughs> uh, she's not a uh, sports fan that much she you know she likes to see umass do well but um last year about this time we were running errands on like a saturday i think it was when umass had a bye week and she was just like man it'd be awesome if you know this is like penn state and like we'd be at amherst right now either tailgating or on the game and at that point i was like all right i really do kind of need to uh, try to get more involved and so i called ryan and had a conversation. He was like, I'm thinking about, you know, we're thinking about starting something NIL-wise. Would you be interested? And I said, yes, had unseen, without really knowing a ton about NIL. Yeah. Um, and since then, Tim and I, my uh, partner, Tim McDermott, uh, it's been a crash course, but it's been very interesting. And I think that the one thing that has never been clearer to me is the opportunity that UMass has uh, as – both a football program and an athletic department uh, because you know every decade there's new circumstances that you see in college athletics in particular college football the programs will emerge and programs will take steps back and I think UMass is uniquely positioned that we could be one of those uh, schools that kind of emerges through NIL and the reason why I feel that way is you know we have I think it's like 340,000 living alumni and the majority of them are based in the Northeast corridor and you know the Northeast corridor if it was its own economy it'd be I think it'd be like the fifth largest economy in the world. Yeah. And so we you know have an alumni base that you know are living and working in a really uh, good area where I think that like if it just comes down to resources there are a lot of resources that we can tap into so you know i i do i do think that if we get nil right umass's best days are, are ahead of us
2: and you have a pretty strong relationship with who you mentioned before ryan bamford he's the athletic director here for those that don't know been here since 2015 helped increase the budget of athletics by over 10 million dollars what's your relationship been like with him ryan
3: and i have a great relationship and it it's a funny story i was uh, working at a company Called Evertrue, uh, shout out Evertrue some, for some free advertising, yeah. but um, it is a fundraising and engagement platform for colleges. And probably back in 2015 when uh, 2016 when Ryan first came on, um, he was doing a, a Twitter Q and A, and I had been kind of getting stonewalled by uh, UMass prior to that with just like kind of the old administration about. Ten thousand different reasons why we couldn't be able to do this and blah 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 and so it just didn't check out to me so ryan was doing a twitter q a and i was like all right i'm just gonna shoot my shot here and i tweeted what is he doing to identify and engage with young alumni in new york and boston and he had retweeted he's like that's a great question we're really struggling with that you know we're open to you know different ideas and so i immediately right after that sent like this Long novel to the, the like generic uh, AD mass UMass uh, email. And I think maybe, I don't know, the, the next morning, I got like a one-sentence response saying that he was going to be in Boston uh, for President Marty Mean's inauguration and we can meet. And luckily, Evertrue's office in uh, Four Point was right above uh, Dunkin' Donuts. So Ryan and I met there, and then the, kind of the ro- relationship is, has kept on growing uh, Building and building, and I think Ryan uh, and I have a really good relationship. We're lucky at UMass that we have an AD that is, you know, when it comes to something like NIL, is very progressive and understands what the the landscape is is shifting, and he's been extremely supportive. And I think that um, he has definitely made the. Uh, kind of the getting off the ground for an aisle right. i think him and dave um have made it a lot more smoother than you know some of their schools are, are really kind of just like constantly fighting administration whereas i think here we have a pretty good uh partnership because we are independent from the athletic department but we work closely with uh with compliance we work com- closely with ryan and we lo- work very closely with the staff as well
0: and a lot of people i think don't really know that much about NIL in general. It's a very confusing topic. It's relatively new. Um, can you talk to us about what it what it actually does when you mean when you're having like getting deals with guys like K. Ron Lynch Adams, Billy Wood, and Jerry Roberts, Isaiah Rutherford, J. B. Brown, Marcellus Anderson. The list goes on. How are you able to support student athletes here? to get them to not only come to UMass, but to stay?
3: Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a great question. I think with NIL, too, it, it just keeps on evolving uh, what it is. And and for us, when you get outside of the Power Five, NIL is, is very different. Uh, a lot of the things, a lot of the misnomers that people see, you know, Caleb Williams is doing right. Wendy's commercials for he's making $5 million. <laughs> And, you know, as, you know, Karon, you know, in my opinion, deserves to make that as well. But, like, they're just not, you know, we're just not doing that right now. And so, you know, when you get outside of the Power Five and you're in the group of Five, A, there, there is an opportunity for us because there isn't a ton of organization right now. And You know, not a ton. They keep on popping up. More and more collectives are popping up. But, you know, I remember, um, you know, during the Miami game, we were talking to... You know, the Miami uh, coaching staff during one of the many uh, delays. Yeah. And like, they have, they have a collective going. And like, I think to date, there's only like five collectives in the MAC. Um, and so, what we're doing is, is really just, yeah, because are we going to ultimately, are we going to be able to keep everybody in UMass? No. I and mean, that's just the reality of it. Um, and like, that's, that's not so much NIL, that's more so the transfer right. portal. Uh, but we feel as though, you know, you heard in maybe like August, Trent Dilfer, who is now the head coach of UAB, um, he basically was kind of waving the white flag. He was like, look, we're going to get two years out of a guy, and then, you know, he's probably going to go to the SEC. I'm like, that's just how it's going to go. All due respect to, to UAB, I think that UMass is a, is a school that is attract guys want to go to, you know, and academically – they know it's a fun school to go to, you know, being in the Northeast. And the culture that Don is building continues to build in there. I think the missing piece, if we can build a, a appropriate NIL culture, I think that it's going to be a, a very attractive place to stay. And, I, you know, I think that the guys that we really need to count on to build the program, I think that we do are going to have a good shot to keep them, uh, keep them here. Um, And if not, you know, everyone has decisions to make. But, you know, I I do feel good about where we're at. But are we going to be able to compete with, um, you know, if if we're going after a guy in the portal or whatever, and he's considering UMass and he's considering, let's say, Texas A&M? Yeah. No, no. We're not going to, you know, that's just not going to be, if it comes down to just if it's transactional, yeah, we're we're not going to get that guy. But what has been for me encouraging to see is I think out there now there's a lot of misconceptions about NIL, how like guys are just totally transactional. Yeah. And it's not like that at all. And in a way, I honestly I think that a guy who, you know, we haven't even worked with but like a guy like Brady Olsen, for example. You know, Brady's the third string quarterback and i think after camp people were like oh i wonder why you know brady's staying and you know why he's not going to the portal maybe because brady Olson's from massachusetts and he you know has friends here and yeah. he likes going to umass and like i think people just disregard that of like the human aspect of like exactly their college students yeah these guys are college <laughs> students like these are their buddies and you know they enjoy being here and so i think that for us I think that we we do have a fighter's chance we
2: just have to be smart about where we invest yeah. you talked a little bit about before how UMass has this this ceiling that is so high if, for people that don't go to this school hockey's on the rise football's now coming up women's field hockey the sports industry here athletics really not a lot of people know about around the country but it's really increasing what's the ultimate goal for the Midnight Ride Collective
3: yeah, uh, I think the other component to that is, like, when you get inside of the sports industry, and I know that you guys did, are both Cape League uh, alums. Did you both work in the Cape League? I did, John, yeah. You did. I did. Oh, well, I, I worked in the Cape League, and, like, when you get inside kind of the sports industry, like, UMass is, is a very well-established, well-known, and respected school because of the sports management program. Right. Um, and I think the people, a lot of times, I you know, I can't stand hearing this, but, you know, the Sleeping Giant type thing um, – I think that, you know, NIL, you know, the portal and NIL was the best thing that's ever happened to UMass uh, because it allows us, and I think our ultimate goal right now, our short term goal right now, is I think that in the next couple of years with Dawn here, I think that we could get to become, you know, a top 75 program. And with the amount of bowl games that are right now, I think there's like eighty three or 82 schools that end up playing in bowl games like if you're top 75 program you're obviously always playing in a bowl game and then from there you you're like okay we're gonna be a top 50 program and then on and on and on and I think that and I understand it that I think with UMass people oftentimes we think that everything has to happen all at once right where As do most sports fans in general. Like, everyone has
0: unrealistic expectations that sometimes get met because there's always that Cinderella team or something
3: like that. Absolutely. And, and, you know, I think that for us, like, if we were a top 75 program, that would be great right now. And I think that that is a very, very achievable goal right now. And, you know, I do think that things are really kind of starting to line up to to make that happen. Yeah. And I guess – more into
0: the actual football game conversation that we have ahead of us um we talked a lot about isaiah rutherford a little bit um not on recording or anything but you were talking about how you know he's really looking like a underrated guy that could be getting looks from nfl teams come draft time towards the end of the draft or at least as an undrafted
3: free agent what what has impressed you so much about his play uh, I mean, Rod, is, he is an impressive guy. Uh, first off, he's an extremely personable guy. He's a really funny kid, uh, works hard. He's one of those guys, like, he's not so much a rah-rah type of guy, but he leads by example. Yep. Um, and I think that, you know, he came in and to fill a, a pretty big void. And, he, yeah, he came in late, too. And he's done nothing, but he's done everything right. He works hard. Um and the proof is in the pudding. I think that you know, pro football focus right now, guys that have played 50% of the snaps, I think pro football focus has him ranked as uh, as like the 39th top co- uh, corner in the country. And so do I think that Isaiah would be you know drafted in the first three rounds? No, I don't think Isaiah is going to. But that doesn't really matter. I think that if he finishes strong, uh, I do think that he has a very good chance to move from that uh, undrafted free agent to end up getting drafted because I do yeah. think that, you know, he's he's a bigger guy, he's a bigger corner, uh, and he's fast too. And that's kind of exactly the, the body type that corners are, are, are looking like in the NFL right now. And I think that another guy too, uh, you know, Billy has, Billy Wooden has been here and, you know, he can't, he's come back from injury and he's had a great season too and I you know I think Billy has a great chance to continue playing on in his career and obviously you know I think I think the world of k I think that he is a great uh running back too um and I think k should get drafted uh when that time comes but you know I think he said it on outside Amherst uh, the other day that you know Caron reminds me a little bit of of Le'Veon Bell the way he runs. Um, the patience, yeah, especially like at Michigan State, he kind of just like waited, 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 and then exploded through. Um, and so there are a number of guys on UMass right now that I think that could have serious potential continuing to play and play on Sundays. I'm
2: just curious, what do you think about? The quarterback position for the Miniman. it has been a little bit of a struggle over the past few years. Of course, they bring in Pumachan, who's really started to up his game in the past few weeks, coming off that injury. Yeah, I mean, he is—you uh, know, Taysom is, you
3: know, <laughs> even Carlos too. Like Carlos is—you know—he stepped in as well, and I—you know—we felt good in preseason though. Like if Carlos ever needed to step in and start a couple of games, like they would be—you know—he put us in position to win that Eastern Michigan game. Um, you know, I think uh, Pumachan is—he is—he kind of embodies everything that you want at UMass as a quarterback. He's a New England guy. Uh, I think he went to Avon or something, um, and he—and this is the beauty of the portal, and not so much NIL, but like the portal right now is—he will even tell you that he should have come after Clemson, like he should have come to UMass. And recruiting a 17-year-old. Is different than recruiting a twenty year old in the portal now right uh, the twenty year old doesn't care so much about you know the bells and whistles they want to play and they want to play for a coach that can get them get the best out of them and potentially give them a chance to play at the next level and you know I think coach Kossoul has done a great job, and obviously Don uh, you know has a, an amazing track record of of doing just that, and so like that's exactly why we have you know Tyson uh, Pumachan here now, and I think that unfortunately, you know, he got hurt in the beginning of the year, but he's working his way back, and I think year two in this offense, I think he will. I think that he has a chance to be uh, top ten, you know, in the group of five, probably a top ten uh, type quarterback. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I completely agree with you with Pumachan. I did some film
0: breakdowns before the season started, and even as the season was going. And Pumajan has really turned into a guy that can do it all, even playing through a little bit of lingering injury right now. But looking at him warming up right now from our spot, it looks like he's maybe got that
3: knee brace off a little bit, or at least the big clunky one is off. Um, I will say this about him as well, that he is a – and this actually goes for Carlos Davis as well, just like a natural leader. Guys gravitate towards him. And I think last week – An army. It showed a lot of poise and a lot of maturity out of him. That there was multiple times where he probably could have taken off and run, but he stayed in the pocket and and made the play. And I think that that is just the sign of of a a smart quarterback, a mature quarterback, and the leader of the team. And I think that that is an amazing quality um, to have. And on the flip side, if we're talking about quarterbacks. You know, the job that, that Gino uh, Campiotti has done this yeah. year, making the, the change from, from playing quarterback this time last year to now tight end, last week he was throwing some enormous blocks that sprung Karon like that, that big run that Karon had. had. You know, Gino was, uh, came around, and I believe he pulled and laid a huge block. And, I, and, you know, guys like that are the exact type of guys that you want in a in the program, and that's, you know, who helps you build a program.
2: Yeah, and Coach Brown talked about Campiotti earlier in this week in the press conference. Called him a true warrior, making that switch. You've been on the field before. I'm not sure if you've seen guys transition in positions. What's that like when a player is willing to do that? It's tough. It's really tough. Like typically, you'll see
3: with you know with a defensive lineman moving to uh, to the offensive line, but to move from quarterback to to tight end is. <laughs> Is tough. Um, and, I, you know, there's also a human element to it, too. There's a pride element because the quarterback is the leader. quarterback has the attention on him. And to make that, you know, and to do it in stride and to work hard and lead by example, which which Gino definitely does, I think that says a lot about, you know, the kind of guy that you have. Whereas, you know, maybe some programs, maybe a guy like that would have just been like, I'm, I'm getting in the portal and I'm leaving. Yeah. But he decided to stay, and I'm, I'm really happy to see it pay off for him. Absolutely, and
0: before we have you go, we want to get a score prediction from you. What do you got, if you're if you're able to?
3: Yeah, um, let's go with 42-17, uh, 42-13, 42, 17. 42, I, think, 13. 42
0: 13. Oh, I think that is, 42-17 I think was what Reindeer gave us. Quinn had a, a pretty hefty win for UMass, said, a lot of just dominating the running game in
3: general, do you have a pretty much same type of thing? Yeah, I mean, they have a hell of a running back. Uh, from what I've seen, he looks like an FPS running back to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and like I said before, like, Merrimack, they were a year a year ago, they won eight games. And so Dan Curran, like, I know the type of guys that they're recruiting. And, you know, they recruit, obviously, New England, they recruit the Baltimore area really hard. And, like, they they bring in tough guys that compete. And they're looking to win today. And so, hopefully, you know, UMass just needs to take care of business. But these guys aren't going to – they're not just going to lay down. They, right. You know, this isn't going to be, you know, a scrimmage. Like, they are going to continue to fight. And they took, uh, you know, between last year and this year, you know, they played Holy Cross. I think they beat Holy Cross last year in OT. They played them really tough again this year. It's a carver to OT. And, like, those are legit FCS programs. You know, this – and I think that it was interesting because a couple of weeks ago they made the switch to uh, another conference that uh, they joined. Um, I forget what they were joining, but M-A-A-C-A, yeah. I think it was. But they're going into a conference now that's a better – Football conference, right? Um, And I think that they are going to compete. And you know what happens with all this, it'll be interesting to see what happens with FCS uh, now. Um, But you know, Merrimack is always going to be there, and I think that there is definitely them being able to compete. And I've said this to a lot of people recently that people aren't really considering that. I think it's kind of the Patriots effect that I did a PG year out of high school and so I, I went to public school in, in Massachusetts and then I PG'd at Cheshire Academy in Connecticut and the talent level of in Massachusetts from when I was in high school to where it is now is yeah. is unrecognizable. Yeah. Unrecognizable. Like and it shows in the recruiting rankings uh, too. And I think that, that is a testament to the Patriots for twenty years, you know, winning. You know that obviously drives more interest, but that's why you see, you know, a couple of weeks ago, Endicott beat the number three team in Division Three, and a program like uh, like Merrimack, you know, being able to compete and yeah. being able to be, you know, grow into a pretty competitive FCS program. Now, is, is Merrimack going to be competing for FCS national championships? I don't think so, but I think that they, you know, now in the region in the Northeast, there is enough talent where a program like Merrimack. Yeah. And if it's true for Merrimack, it's very true for for UMass. Um, can not only survive but can grow into something that is something that people want to get involved in.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much, Corey, for joining us no here problem. on the pregame show. Sorry, it ended up taking so long <laughs> due to various reasons, but we did get it done. Uh, that will be the end of this segment, at least for the UMass. Pre game show on WMUA. It's brought to you by the Midnight Ride Collective.